You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I have been on this roller coaster journey with all of you guys, all of us really together. And I'm to the point now where I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful because 20 years ago, being in church, being a Christian, you, we were fighting lethargy. We were fighting against why, why all the fuss? Everything's fine. Everything's comfortable. But I know that the church always grows when there's pressure. The church always shines the brightest when there is darkness. And we get to be born in a time, in a season, where God said, you know what? I'm choosing you guys. I'm choosing you to have your birthdays so that you will be a part of the world in 2020 so that I can establish my kingdom through you. And what an honor that is. What an honor it is. It's an invitation. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit is going to minister to us tonight. I've already been ministered even just in preparing this message. And I really believe that we're all going to walk out of this auditorium understanding with more clarity the race that God is asking us to run. How to keep our eyes fixed, come what may. So uh, my message title tonight actually came from uh, my high school athletic director. I played sports growing up, and you couldn't make it very far um, through our athletics portion of our high school without seeing a huge tagline, and it said this, no excuses, find a way. No excuses, find a way. And so whenever we would complain, whenever things got tough, whenever it got hard, I could pretty much guarantee that I'd be hearing the athletic director in my ear, especially during two-a-days, when everyone was together before school started, no excuses, find a way. Oh, that's hard, no excuses, find a way. Oh, I'm sorry that you're tired, no excuses, find a way. I remember getting my wisdom teeth out right before two-a-days started for volleyball, and I literally was like, bleed, like I had um, hot, uh, the sockets, I don't know, yeah. It was not pretty, and so I'm literally like bleeding, my mouth is bleeding, and my coach is like, no excuse to find a way, go, go get a drink of water at the water fountain, and then get back to your suicides. Like literally, that was my high school experience. And so I want to unpack a message about what it means to have some grit, what it means to actually see what we're made of, what it means to actually understand what we are being called into when we raise our hand and say yes to Jesus. Because this life is not for wimpy people, okay? This life is not meant for people that aren't willing to actually pay a cost. So I'm going to lovingly share some scripture, and I say lovingly because it actually, and you're going to see, I know right now you're like, whoa, <laughs> calm down, lady. But by the end of this message, I know that you're going to experience the heart of God, and you're going to be ministered to, and you're going to be encouraged and empowered. All right, so I actually was chatting with Fifi on Tuesday after women's prayer, shameless plug for women's prayer and men's prayer go to it, get to it. No excuses, find a way. <laughs> but um, I actually had this vision of a track, and I ran track in high school, and I loved the feeling of running fast. I loved it. I loved the 200. That was my favorite. 
But the race that I was actually the best at was the 400 meter relay, the four by four. And the thing about the four by four is it is the hardest race because you cannot pace yourself. It's an all out sprint for the entire lap. And the goal is for the, by the end of the race for you to have nothing left to give when you cross that finish line. And so Fifi and I were chatting about that. She was also a way better track athlete than I was. And so we were talking about that. And so I'm gonna use this picture of the race, of the track, and where you find yourself on it as we get through this message. So the first point that I have is counting the cost. Counting the cost, we have to begin at the cost. If you're trying to go through the Christian life without actually laying down your life, then you're not actually going through a Christian life. It's forgery, it's fake, it's cheap, and it's not the gospel. You see, counting the cost is actually the starting line. Counting the cost is saying, yes, I'm gonna put on these track shoes. Counting the cost in Luke 9.24 says this, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Where the cost is not even counted, that's where we find ourselves at the, the beginning of the race. It's all about Jesus. It's all about glorifying him and not ourselves. It's all about him. It's about taking up the cross and following Jesus. And if we don't understand that there's going to be a cost attached to this life, then you are going to be exhausted, you're going to be frustrated, and you're not going to experience what the Bible says to be true. We have to begin with a surrendered life where we put on the track shoes and we say yes to the lane that God puts us in, and we do this at the start line. That's point number one. I see a lot of Christians these days that have traded in the track shoes of Christianity for the temporary satisfaction of reaching a performance or achievement that the world has to offer. I have seen it over and over where the pulpits preach the messages that are actually anti-gospel. Because what is success if it has nothing to do with building the kingdom of God? What is success if the only person that gets glorified is yourself? What is the cost? Is the cost only to achieve things that satisfy the idols in your life? Or is the cost attached to glorifying God and putting him in his rightful place? I know what it feels like to lay my entire life down for Jesus. And it is my complete honor that I can say that confidently because he deserves my entire life. I gave my life to Jesus when I was in the fourth grade and I never looked back. I was made fun of for being a super Christian. I went to a Christian school, so, but I was actually the student chaplain for my high school. And um, I, I didn't even care. I was like, yeah, make fun of me for being a Christian. I don't care. I never cared. I never gave in to peer pressure. I never went out and partied. And I used to be embarrassed of that. And now I realize it's because I actually didn't need to satisfy the parts of me that were left over. Because my entire life had already been surrendered to God. Who cares? My life was laid down for Jesus. And I know that's why God asked my husband and I to take over this campus. 
But he decided that years before 2020. And I know that because he put us through a series of tests to make sure that we could handle the responsibility of stewarding his sheep. We had our dreams set on North County and God asked us to come down south. We had dreams of building a life close to my parents in Oceanside and God asked us to lay that dream down and come to East Lake. But in order to build in East Lake, we had to move in with my parents and we had to stretch in finance. And I had just given birth to Everly, my, my little girl, and we knew that we could not switch campuses. God had called us. God had asked us to pay a price. And so we said, yes, no, we're not going to give up our connect groups. We were doing young adults at the time. And I remember many times driving with my newborn and my one-year-old three hours from Oceanside to Chula Vista to run a connect group, blaring my music to tune down the crying in the back seat, crying like, am I crazy, God? Like, what am I doing? This is nuts. And now I know that God was seeing is she serious? Is she serious? Is she willing to lay her entire life down? Is she willing to put her preferences aside, to not do what's just convenient in that moment, but to actually say yes to Jesus? And it's such a small sacrifice. A few hours in the car, whatever. There's people all over the world that are literally building huge underground churches with millions of people in the Middle East and in China, and they have counted the cost. They know that in any moment, their lives could be taken, and it brings them joy because they get to glorify God. Can we be a people that looks at what the cost is, that looks at what Christianity says, and say, you know what, Jesus, have it all. Have anything and everything of me. I wanna build your church, I wanna build your kingdom, I wanna bring you glory, I wanna be the brightest light in a world of darkness, in a world that needs hope, that needs restoration, that needs something different, that needs more than just a fix, that needs more than just a comfort, a pat on the back, amen, and yeah, oh yeah, you do you, boo. Yes, live your truth. So you feel so good that you have to keep going and you have to stay in that addiction because in order to break out of that addiction, it's gonna cost you something. I remember crying my eyes out over family members going through really, really tough things, pulling up to church, knowing we were gonna have to service lead in about 30 minutes, and Mike telling me, you gotta get together, we're gonna go in that house, and we're gonna give God our best. And that's what we did. We don't cancel, we show up. And it's not just for you guys, it's for him. It's for his glory. We have to get to a place where serving is more than just what it gives you. Where serving is what it gives him. We have to live a life that glorifies God above what we get out of it, what we gain out of it. And it's so beautiful because God loves you. He wants to get good things to you. What comes with a life with him is all these things shall be added onto you. And our life is a beautiful display of God's goodness, of supernatural favor and blessing. But I literally would trade all of it in a single second to be close with Jesus, aligned with him, so that I could purely in my heart say, I don't care about anything except following you. And if for a second anything starts to creep into my heart that becomes an idol that would take me away 
from being aligned with that, I all the time ask God, please make me pure in my heart. Please do not let my motives become selfish because there's too much at stake. And that is the place that we see ourselves being promoted and getting more and getting stronger. And I, I, I want that for all of us because there's so much at stake. But we have to start with a surrendered life. Point number two. You guys hanging with me? Are we good? I love you. Jesus loves you. Point number two. We have to keep our eye on the prize. We have to keep our eye on the prize. It's easier to break through the right things when your eye is on the right prize. I'm going to say that one more time. It's going to be way easier for you to have breakthrough when your eyes are fixed on the right things to break through. Let me read a scripture. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. It is a constant battle to make sure that your eyes are fixed on the right prizes. Going back to my track analogy, it is impossible to do well in track if your eyes are not fixed on the prize. So I actually was digging through my garage on my way to church, and I managed to find a picture of myself. This semi-embarrassing, but it's going to prove my point. Um, it... My senior year, I was randomly doing long jump. I ended up making it to state for long jump. Again, I did not like this event. Who can relate? It's like, yes, God, I'll run this. I'll do whatever you want. And I'm like, oh, this is painful. Ooh, I don't like this. Anyway, I actually got a picture. Do you guys have that photo? Here I am, guys. <laughs> so... Uh, that's me doing long jump at State, Faith Christian School, way early on in the 2000s. Um, but in long jump, you, you have to keep your eyes fixed on not where you think you're going to land, not where your feet are, but on the finish line, on the farthest point. You have to keep your eyes fixed. If you get distracted just by half a millimeter, it will throw off your entire jump. It will ruin it. You'll get disqualified, or you'll flop, or you won't go far. And I thought that this would be a good representation of what it looks like to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. When things get hard, when you're in the stretch, when it's painful, when you're being stretched, when you're being asked to do things that take you out of your comfort zone, when the lactic acid is building up and you're like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. If you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, if you keep your eyes fixed on his kingdom, you're going to soar. You're going to soar farther and longer, and the world is going to notice. It's incredible what happens when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. 
Some of you need to renew your mind and reset what it means to keep your eye on the true price. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. What is your prize? What is your prize? Does it line up with the word of God? I've had so many times where I've had to check myself before I wreck myself. Even in ministry, if I'm being completely honest, where I'm comparing myself, where like, tell me I did a good job. Oh my gosh, am I a good leader? You know, shower me with praise. And I have to check myself. There was a time when all of our friends got ordained all at once, except for Mike and I. Stacy had, Stacy was chosen to like tell us that we weren't getting ordained. <laughs> Love you, Pastor Stacy. Um, and I remember sitting there and on the outside, I was like, yeah, we don't care. It's fine. I mean, we serve the church, like no matter what, like we don't care about title. And in the moment, I really didn't mean that. But then after people kept asking, like, did you get ordained to you? And I was like, no, we just are serving God. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Nothing's wrong with us. I don't think. But I'm so grateful that I had an opportunity to realign my heart and to keep my eyes fixed on what was actually important. It was not title. It was not accolade. It was not performing or achieving or attaining. I was able to experience renewing my mind, sending my eyes on Jesus, and taking a moment where I could truly and honestly and humbly say, I am doing this for you and only you. And if we don't have those opportunities, we'll never know. If we don't have those moments where we're humbled or when we ask God or when a leader comes to you and, and has a challenging conversation with you, you'll never experience those moments when you can actually know what your heart is. And those moments are so sacred to me. When I put a stake in the ground, when I'm going through something that's so incredibly tough, I'm thankful for that because if everything was easy, then I would never have an opportunity to truly know if I mean and meant what I say. And so when we go through trials, when we go through things, when we have goals and we want to crush life and we want to be millionaires and, you know, change the course of our family legacies, all those things are good only if our eyes are fixed on Jesus. And if they are not... It will derail you, you will crumble, you will train wreck, and you will become victim to idolatry. And as a pastor, I do not want to see that for you. I want to see you connected to the true source where you can see your true identity and you can experience true freedom and you can go through life, come what may. Nothing's going to steal your praise. Amen. Amen. Point number three, run in your lane. Run in your lane. I think that so often, and I have, I've experienced the temptation of being frustrated when you can't see that light at the end of the tunnel. You can't see the finish line. But the only reason why is you're rounding the curve. 
you're just rounding that curve. And if you get distracted by the curve, thinking that you're not gonna get to the finish line, you will get taken out. You will throw your shoes down and have a pity party and stomp off and sit yourself on the bench and miss out on everything that God has for you. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God has put each and every one of you in your own lane. He hasn't doubled you up. He hasn't squished us all together. You have been given a unique call a unique purpose, a unique mission, and nobody else can run that lane except for you. And the second you start looking to your left or to your right, when you start comparing, but that person's far ahead. Well, maybe they were just staggered in the lane next to you. If you look at a track, the start lines are always staggered to compensate for the curve, right? Do you understand that? So if you're running and you're just literally looking to your left and your right thinking, oh my gosh, I'm behind and this person's way over there, they actually may be in the same exact place as you are. They're just positioned in a different lane. And even if they are ahead of you, let that be something that pulls you up. Let that be something that makes you strive even more. Let it be an encouragement. Let it inspire you. I, this is embarrassing, but as an athlete, I always rose to my competition. So I was really, really good when I played really, really good teams. And I was my worst when I played horrible teams. And so many people want to just get in there and be the shining star because everyone else sucks. (laughs) So they think they're awesome. But the level of performance the, the length that you can go, the things that you'll be able to experience will be so limited if you don't choose to be around people that are going to sharpen you, that are going to strengthen you, that when you're in the gym, they're going to push you to put five pounds more on your sides. We need to get rid of the laziness and the apathy and the lethargy that has crept into the church, that is seeking to put people into a lullaby. I was talking with my husband about how I began to notice a lot of the worship songs sounded like lullabies. And we began to talk and it was was, um, during a season of they were writing a new batch of songs to do demos. I'm like, wow, the enemy is trying to creep into worship and put people to sleep. The enemy is trying to creep into the church and make people get so comfy cozy that they think they're just singing love songs by a fireplace instead of being equipped and empowered with the armor of God to go out onto the front lines, to shine in, to use their word as a sword of the spirit instead of a nice cozy blanket. We need to understand that we are in a war. We are in a battle. We are not on a nice little playground that we get to, you know, swing our way to heaven. And this is what I love about us in this room. 
is that we get to help each other experience what it feels like to run a race. It feels so good when you're running fast. It feels so good when you have people cheering you on on the sidelines. It feels so good to have a coach be able to speak into you, impart into you what you need to run your race well. And when we do things in the right order, when we position our heart, when we count the cost, when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and we know what our lane is, you will experience establishing the kingdom of God in such an extraordinary way. You will be hooked for the rest of your life. There will be no turning back. There will be no peer pressure. There will be no temptation to go back to the old. I'm telling you, I'm a living example of it. But there's always gonna be that temptation to get taken out. I want to end, and I'll call up the band, by sharing a scripture. Um, who's doing the one-year reading plan? Good job, guys. I'm so proud of us. I've always hated those, but I'm actually enjoying it this year. I feel controlled and pressured, and I don't like it, but I'm, I'm sticking with it. I'm only two days behind for the Matthew part. But I did read Matthew 14, and I want to read this to you. It's when... Um, Peter walks on water. And I want to point out the language that Jesus uses. So there's a huge storm. The disciples are in the boat. They're freaking out. And then they think they see a ghost. But it's Jesus walking in the middle of this insane storm with dark clouds and thunder and lightning and huge waves. And notice what Jesus says to them. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Take courage. He didn't come over and make all of the, the scary things go away and, and comfort them. The initial response from Jesus was to take courage. And then Peter replied, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come on the water. And so Jesus said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid when he took his eyes off of the prize, which is Jesus, when he stopped looking at the lane that Jesus had put him on, he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, look how beautiful Jesus is. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And he pulled him back up. And I've experienced this scripture over and over again the last few months, where the enemy has come in with warfare and tried to take my eyes off of Jesus, to distract me with all of the demonic and all of the things that are scary and all of the what ifs and the unknowns. And I realized I had some PTSD surrounding my daughter's seizure and I would jump and, and literally it was like the enemy was stealing my headspace. He was sucking the energy out of my mind and my heart where I had all of these dreams, all of these things that I want to do this year, all of these things I want to experience with you guys and for our church. And I was just in this storm, walking on the water, constantly needing to get saved, like bobbing up and down. And Jesus will save you every time. He'll save you every time. But the second we let the storm distract us, our faith begins to get robbed. Doubt begins to creep in. But faith is our portion. Jesus is our savior. He is the one that makes it possible to walk on water.
And I really believe that year 2022, he's calling us into the deep. When we face a storm, he's saying, yeah, come on, walk on the water with me. But we have to understand that if we let ourselves become distracted by the ways of the world, by the whispers in our ear from family members, by the fear of the media, by the limitations put over us from work vows that you may have received and come into agreement with from the time that you were little. We have to look head first, eyes fixed on Jesus, no matter what storm we are in, determined to stay in our lane, determined to run the race in a way where when we get to heaven, we will know it'll be like a 400 meter where we knew we gave it our all. We didn't leave anything behind. We gave everything for Jesus. So if you guys could all stand to your feet, I want to create a moment for you to hear from the Holy Spirit. So if you want to just bow your head and close your eyes, I know that there are some of you in here that have been going through the motions, but you haven't actually been courageous enough to put on the shoes and step up to the start line. That has to be first. And I want to give an opportunity for those of you in here to surrender your entire life, to say yes to the cost, to lay your life down and to pick up the cross and follow Jesus. That is the start. That is the beginning. So if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. If there's anyone that wants to give their life to Jesus for the first time or rededicate their life, maybe you've gotten tossed around by some storms from 2020 or even like me in 2022, and you want to rededicate, put your eyes back on Jesus. Just raise your hand so I can see you. I see those hands. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. There's hands all over the room. going to pray over you guys in just a moment, but I actually want to open the altar up um, for anyone that is needing to lay down the prizes of the world, to let God renew their minds, to shift your priorities back, to have a good reset, to find your lane again, and to not get distracted by the person to your right or to your left to not get distracted by the winds or the waves, to pick up your courage again and find your faith again. No excuses, find a way tonight. So if that's you, if you wanna just reconnect with God, lay some things at the altar, I, I just ask that you come forward right now and I'm gonna pray. So all of those that raise their hand, if you guys wanna come forward, and then anybody else that just wants that moment where you can leave some things behind so that you can fully run into your future with Jesus. Just come on down the front. Holy Spirit is here, I feel his presence. He's a kind and gentle counselor. He loves you. He loves you. No matter how many times you find yourself drowning, he will reach into the deep and pull you back up again but he has so much more than keeping your head above water. He has a destiny for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a call for you and a lane for you. So I'm gonna pray. Thank you, Jesus, for all these beautiful people. 
thank you, God. Holy Spirit, I thank you, Jesus, that you are meeting people at the altar. I thank you, God, that you always respond to sacrifice. You always respond to a heart that wants to be aligned with you. You always respond to people that want to know you in an authentic way. And I declare right now that every person in this room right now would experience your presence. In the name of Jesus, the old is gone, the new has come, declares the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we rebuke the lies of the enemy that have said that you will only do one thing, that you'll never be able to do the things that you think that you can do. And I pray right now that you would resurrect the dreams that you put in people's hearts all around this room. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. Have your way. No more excuses. No more excuses. Holy Spirit, I pray energy. I pray that I even see right now that there are people struggling with their adrenals, where they are lethargic, where they are tired. Holy Spirit, right now, heal people. Heal them in the mighty name of Jesus, that they would wake up refreshed and not exhausted. In the mighty name of Jesus, that they would sleep tonight and have restorative sleep in the name of Jesus. That they would wake up with a hunger to get into your word in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are renewing minds in the name of Jesus, that people are going to be able to see you and understand you and process your word how you would have them process it. The lies of the enemy will no longer take hold over how they think, over how they act, over how they make decisions. God, be glorified through this church. Be glorified through us. God, I impart your courage into us as a church. I impart right now, Holy Spirit, your power, your love, and a soundness of mind. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.